but as a grown man, I'm so glad that uh, my parents just kind of made us pick up after church. If there was a big event, we were the ones picking up the chairs. And I went to a big church. There was definitely get-togethers with three, 400 people when I was growing up. And I would just look out sometimes and go, whew, this is going to take us like at least another 20 minutes when everything's done and everyone goes home. Um, and the reason I say that is it's just so much easier. I like easy. Um, it's easier now as a grown adult that I've been picking up the chairs for a while. <laughs> so now it's always the bullseye on me. Now I'm, I guarantee after I say this publicly, I'll have an opportunity to pick up chairs and I'll leave. But um, it's nice. And the reason I was thinking about that is just, just to serve. To serve is something that's not natural for us. Um, but it's nice when we start, uh, you know, even with the next generation, just getting used to serving. Getting used to the expectation of, hey, if there's a need, we got to help out. We are uh, looking at deacons. Last week we looked at elders. Uh, this week we're looking at deacons. They simply mean servant. Um, and again, it's a, a biblical principle. I remember uh, the words of the Lord Jesus, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. So this idea of service is just a biblical theme and should be characterized in our own lives. Um, and so today, my goal here when we look at some of these things is uh, we're going to look at the qualifications, but uh, just like Greg was saying last week, is that these are all qualifications that all of us should be striving towards anyway, uh, just simply to serve the Lord. And so I'll talk about why it's important for all of us to kind of have this in our life, and then specifically maybe the office of uh, deacon. But if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy, we'll read. Starting in chapter 3, verse 8. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, and let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their own children, ruling their children in their own homes well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for another time in your word. Again, Lord, thank you that your uh, word is alive and uh, able to pierce even through joint and marrow. Lord, that your word would pierce us this morning. Um, it doesn't sound too exciting because um, it hurts to get pierced, but um, Lord, that you would do a work with your spirit, that we would um, just have a word from you in gentleness and love, and yet um, sometimes convicting that we might see what we need to do in our own personal lives. And so, Lord, just help us to be like you, help us to constantly strive to be like you. Um, left in our natural state, we are uh, a horrible, uh, evil people. <laughs> And so, Lord, we would pray again that you would help us to fight against our flesh and that we might um, live worthy of the calling, that we are heirs to the kingdom. 
and that we are children of God. And so thank you for all these promises that you have bestowed through the work of the cross on us. In your name, amen. Deacons. Uh, if you remember in the book of Acts, chapter 6, this is where we kind of have our story or what was happening where um, there was the distribution of food and things like this, and the widows weren't really getting their fair share, they felt like. So the 12 apostles said, hey, we don't really have time to deal with who's getting what for food. We have to kind of worry about prayer and teaching. So let's appoint seven men full of spirit, full of wisdom, and we'll give them responsibility on kind of how to handle these kinds of things. And so that's where we see the example here in the New Testament. And then right here we have qualifications. It is an office. Remember, we're talking about in 1 Timothy. Um, you know, we write these things to you that you might know how to conduct yourselves in the house of the Lord. This is one of those interesting things that, yes, everyone is called to serve, and yet there is offices in the local church. And it's a, it's a big deal, I believe, because the question it always begs is who is responsible, right? Who is responsible? We are all responsible to serve the Lord. We're all responsible to use our spiritual gifts here at the assembly. But at the same time, there's something that the Lord has set up, I believe, with these offices that we might have someone sometimes saying they're the ones that can be responsible for this happening. And it doesn't mean, as Greg was talking about last week, even with elders, it doesn't mean the deacons have to do this kind of work. It's just that they're going to be responsible for if the work gets done or not. And that's important. And also, there is great reward with that, which we will see also later even in this um, portion. So I just wanted to quickly talk a little bit about the difference between elders and deacon, uh, deacons as we're going from elders to deacons here in the letter. The, the easiest way I can um, describe it is the elders are responsible for the spiritual oversight of the flock and the deacons are responsible for helping serve the physical needs of the flock. Okay, so remember in Acts they said, hey, we, we, don't, we just don't have enough time. We can't be bothered um, with kind of some of these practical things. We need to worry about preaching and prayer for what's going on. And so we need mature believers um, who meet these qualifications also to help simply serve in the physical needs of the flock. And so quickly, these are just some of the things that deacons could do. It's by no means a list that... Um, encompasses at all, um, but deacons could be responsible for managing the church property, okay? I mean, this is a pretty big building now, okay? There's bills for this building. Um, there's outside stuff that needs to be taken care of. If a window, if a, our neighbor's friend is, uh, you know, throwing a baseball and it cracks through our window, <laughs> who's responsible to fix the window? Okay, and so this is why I talk about these things of responsibility. It's not a deacon's job to fix the window, but it's a deacon's job to make sure the window gets fixed. Okay, there's also what we call benevolence. I can't say that word, but simply this actually goes to with the widows making sure people's needs are being met in the assembly. Okay, and a lot of this sometimes has to do with money. Okay, so we've had uh, numerous examples that you guys, if you've been going here for a while, We've seen these things distributed to the saints. How does the money that you give to the Lord, how is it distributed for the help of even our local body here? Sometimes people have car problems, and we give a gift if financially they can't do it um, from here. Sometimes they just need help in their finances. Sometimes they need help in their house. 
Um, and deacon is one of those things that can kind of go into someone's house and say, hey, we're here to help you because it's hard to follow the Lord if you have a leak in your roof and water's coming into your, into your room. It, it, that makes life difficult. And so let's see if we can um, help you out in some of these um, physical needs. There's definitely the finances, okay? And again, finances is a big deal, a big deal, because it seems to be always a little touchy um, with ourselves and the fact that we give money. Sometimes it is just human nature to say, I want to make sure when I give my money that it's been being used correctly. Um, and that's not necessarily a good place to be in, by the way. I'll just say right off the bat is that when you give your money to the Lord, the Lord has set up deacons. That should be it. You, you don't really get to <laughs> um, decide much, uh, but you can do what you want with your money too and not necessarily go through the assembly. So there's a lot of stuff there. But obviously we have bills here in the assembly. Um, I'm glad this place is paid off, but we have electric bills, we have heating bills, um, things like that. And then there's just always, um, you know, little things that again happen here in the assembly, like uh, the kitchen. We were talking about it in our small group. Like, there's tons of stuff that goes on in the kitchen, and there's people in charge that doesn't need to necessarily be a deacon, but there's lots of little things that happen here at the assembly that so many people serve. We've talked about it. Someone sets up the the cup and the bread every week. Um, someone is in charge of the sound system. These don't just magically work. Um, there's so much stuff that goes on in the assembly that are what we call practical kind of needs that usually deacons can kind of be, again, not doing it, but at least have the responsibility to make sure things are okay. So that if Greg and Music Ministry goes, hey guys, um, I think we need, you know, we blew the speaker. We need a new one, okay? Do we have money for a new speaker? Those are just all simple um, discussions that happen, okay? So I'm going to uh, categorize these qualifications into three categories. A deacon has to have a good personal testimony, has to have a public testimony, and then I want to call it a patriarch testimony, and that's just to get a P word, okay? It's got to have a good testimony with the family, okay? So let's look at these, but like again, I want to just kind of be clear up front where we're going, how I'm going to do this, okay? Why should there be qualifications for these offices? Are we not all a priesthood of believer? Aren't we all sanctified? Aren't we all called to serve in the local assembly? I think all those things are true, okay? However, there's people that need to be responsible sometimes for certain things because we are human beings. <laughs> and so with human beings comes human problems. So the Lord has given responsibility to such things. And again, the deacons sometimes, I want to say, almost spotlighted more than elders in certain ways. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay, let's talk about some of these um, things here, a deacon's personal testimony. And I think these are all qualifications we should all strive for. So when we go over these qualifications, you should have this in your own personal life, and then we will see how it affects the office as well. Okay? It says a deacon there in verse 8 should be reverent. Reverent. Interesting. Okay? I'll go over quickly a definition 
Those characterized by it have a majestic quality of character that makes people stand in awe of them. Essentially, deacons must be serious about the faith and serving God. They conduct themselves in such a manner that others respect and desire to imitate them. Okay? So again, this idea sometimes in the church that, um, you know, we're all just a bunch of sinners and we're all just like barely making it by God's grace. Well, I understand where you're coming from because I have sin in my life as well. But there's also an idea that I think I have talked about this before a little bit. We need to start talking about a little more is having a testimony or a lifestyle that people look up to and respect and might even say, I want that kind of life or I want that kind of faith. Okay, so again, people have influenced me my whole life. Some of the reasons I try to pray with people is because they prayed with me first. Okay, I was sitting there and I, I told something about a need and they said, let's pray about that. And suddenly I was getting prayed with with someone. And I went, you know what? I, I, I can do that. Let me try to do that with someone else. And that's an idea of looking up to someone's faith. And this word reverend is funny that deacon should be someone that people kind of look up to and say, you know what? That's a that's a solid believer. That's a solid believer. The question begs, whose faith do you desire to imitate? Do we have people in our lives that we can actually come to our minds right now and say, you know what, I have one or two people at least that I say are solid believers, and I can really look up to them in certain areas, okay, and I like to be like them. As Paul said, imitate my faith as I imitate Christ, okay? We should have people like that in our lives. And then the second question is, do you think someone is looking up to yours, okay? Do you think someone is looking up to your faith and how you present your life to the world? We should have people looking at our faith, even maybe from the assembly. And it's easier to go from older to younger. Sure, the younger people should be looking at us older people and saying, I like that faith in them. They're not to be double-tongued. This is the only place it's used in the Bible. It's saying one thing with one person, okay, and another with someone else. So, for example, okay, <laughs> Um, if we uh, had to go to a deacon and was like, hey, you know, I, I think we should have carpet in the fireplace room. And the deacon goes, yeah, you know what, that's a great idea. And then someone else goes, man, we got to have those hardwood floors shine in the carpet. You know, don't get carpet in that fireplace room. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay? And I'll tell you what it is. What's interesting is not being double-tongued. Just to remind us, okay, it's okay to have different opinions of people. And you can actually express your different opinion in a loving way. That is possible. Is your idea of being a nice believer that you just will praise people and agree with them? And maybe you're double-tongued because you're actually just trying to be nice and you don't want to cause problems. So you're actually being a little hypocritical. And when someone brings something up, you agree with them, and then the exact opposite of you comes up and you agree with that person too just to try to be nice, okay? It is possible to have a different opinion and just say it with grace. You know, parents should not be double-tongued at all, <laughs> okay? And this is where it's tough because typically there's two parents. So they need to be on the same page and they need to be saying the same thing to their kids and not do that. And bosses are the exact same with the employees. You guys know how this works, man. If you, you employees can hear one thing from a boss and, and, and a different opinion from that same boss, and they, 
now there's problems in the workforce. Okay, we don't want to be double-tongued. This is a good personal testimony, one that a deacon should have, that we should all have, that we are able to talk about what we think and believe without backfiring. When someone else asks us, we give a different answer. Not given to much wine or greedy for money. Okay, it keeps coming back to me. We were talking about this with um, in youth group lately. Uh, to me, I just think, it's the idea of, again, having self-control, okay? They're not giving them much wine. They're not greedy for money. There's ideas of there is um, desires for certain things that we all have, and yet it's going to be self-controlled, okay? It's going to be self-controlled. Proverbs 28, 25, 28 says, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls, Okay? Remember, I love this, this verse. Um, a, a city had huge walls to defend from the enemy coming in. And we can see the spiritual parallel with our enemy trying to attack us. But I tell you what, there's also a reason for walls around a city. It's for natural disasters not to come in. And that would be yourself. <laughs> yourself, your natural um, desires will break you down. And so we build up walls even against ourselves. And one who lacks self-control has no walls. It's like people or the enemy or themselves can just come in and just have free reign. And things get chaotic. Okay, And so especially with the deacon, this would be pretty important, um, especially in dealing with all the things they do, specifically money as well. Okay, so we have to be careful with these things. So how is our self-discipline, our self-control? When it comes to things like wine, wanting money, you can put a lot of things in there. Okay, how well are we doing at our self-control? Finally, they have to hold the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Remember this idea of kind of like mystery of the faith? The mystery here is probably, again, going from Old Testament to New, that God had always incorporated the Gentiles to be a part of this, that God had always incorporated that we're going to get rid of these little lands and sacrificial system, and that there would be the Messiah who paid the debt for everything. And now, instead of going to the temple, we can actually have church wherever we want. Okay, this is that mystery that this is the timeline. They're kind of like, hey, they, they've got to be on board with that as well. <laughs> Okay, and so it says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That's 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. That's the idea of this qualification. You're found faithful. You're a good steward of what the God has given you. Okay, and so that's our qualifications. That's things we should all strive for personally. I'm going to tell you a little bit how it affects the office. The first one, okay, being reverent. Understand this, that deacons will make decisions that we won't agree with. Hence, there should be a trust or a respect for them. If you think you're going to go to church and it's always going to line up with what you want to happen, well, read your Bible more. You're wrong. Okay, I don't know what else to tell you. Okay, there's going to be decisions that are, you, bother you. And the idea of this is, this is why it's important that our deacons are people that we can respect and look up to. Because you know what? It's just so much easier for me to disagree with you when I respect you. If I don't respect you and we disagree, it's just, 
It's just, it's just my, my human flesh. It's going to be harder not to fight you. If I don't have any respect for you and we d differ on opinions, no. But if I respect you and I see that you're a striving Christian, I go, ah, this, this one's on me. Like, let me go pray about it with the Lord. Okay? The baptismal tank. Woo! Woo! What side were you on? Do we get rid of it? Do we not? Okay? Uh, listen, I, I respected the guys making those decisions. And so in that, there was a, a lot of comfort that, and I don't know about you personally, we're like, hey, even if we wanted that baptismal tank, what in the world are we thinking getting rid of it? Life goes on, and we still respect these guys. Okay, so that's kind of a reason why a deacon has to have this qualification of reverend. Okay? What about double-tongued? This one should just be obvious. Okay? Deacons are in hard conversations with people. As we get into some of those things, especially when it comes into the house, they have the right, and I might say this later or whatever, to kind of look at your finances, to see how you're doing. Um, again, there's people that throw things that are not that important on deacons, but it's very passionate for them. How dare we put in red flowers instead of yellow? What are you doing? This ruins the whole church. Okay? And I'm being a little facetious, but trust me, talk to deacons. They've, they've heard things like this. Okay? And when you have someone who's upset, and you're just trying to serve the Lord, and, and they're coming at you with red or yellow flowers, you have to be one that's not double-tongued. You have to be able to say, hey, guess what? I just like red. I'm sorry. Or they had the right to say, hey, that was what was on sale. I, you know, you go buy the yellow flowers and put them in. That, like, there's a hundred things to do there. But a deacon should not have this idea of just kind of appeasing everyone and going back and forth on what they have took a stance on. And so that's why it's very important because it can cause a lot of chaos in the assembly. We honestly want them to have self-control if they're making decisions. Okay. Listen, guys, it's interesting. We should know because we're very public here at the chapel. We have some money in the bank, okay? And deacons have the right to see fit where that money is used is under the Lord. And so I'm going to tell you, that's self-control. I told people from day one, don't make me a deacon. I'll spend it all in a week. I, I Literally, I was asked to be a deacon a lot of years ago. I saw there was money in the, I said, I'll give this to missionaries next week. I'll drain it right now. Don't make me a deacon. That, that's just, now again, you might now, hopefully, I've, I've learned some self-control. I probably wouldn't do it now if I was a deacon, hopefully. But, okay, there's this idea of there is self-control. How much? Listen, guys, even the wisdom of distributing uh, needs to people, man, like, how much do we give? Okay, you might have a self-control where you just want to just, just give them all, like just pay off their debt, knowing that there's a reason they got into debt, knowing that there is uh, maybe some discipline that they need in their life. And you, you, you have this idea of like, just, just give it to them, just give it to them, okay? Deacons need to have self-control when it comes to making these kinds of decisions. Let's look at their public testimony. Let them serve and be tested. This is interesting, okay? Um, it says in verse 10, let those also first be tested and let them serve as deacon, being found blameless. Being found blameless. All right. This idea of testing is not only for deacons, 
Okay, seeing if you can handle something first is very important in the Christian walk. Okay, do you mind if people are looking at you and seeing how faithful you are? One of the hardest things about serving in the assembly is that it feels like sometimes, and I'm not saying you guys do this, so I'm just saying in Christendom overall, sometimes someone has an attitude of, hey, look, I'm serving. How dare you judge what I'm doing? Go get someone else to do it then, right? Like that's just, we're just talking kind of casually here, okay? Um, And this idea of being tested even at this level at the office, okay? We, We should be a people that don't mind saying how did that ministry go how what went well what didn't go well is there anything we can do to help improve it so again if you're um someone who you know sweeps the floors okay and then is there a right for someone to say hey look it looks like you've done really well with these floors maybe you should be given even more stuff than just the floors yes that's the biblical pattern Okay, that's a biblical pattern. But if you're the one in charge of the floors and they look nasty every time you're done, there is also something to be said (laughs) about maybe floors aren't your thing. Or how can we trust you with more if what we did trust you with, like floors, is not getting done well? And so this is a biblical pattern for all believers, okay? And so with the deacon... This idea of testing is interesting. They should already have been serving, okay? And some of that is this idea of they're already serving in the church, and we can kind of look at how they've been doing in that. Then there's also a piece of just literally saying, hey, we're going to test you by saying this person's not a deacon yet. However, we're going to maybe give um, him more access to maybe some more confidential things. And let's just see how he does with that, okay? Um, I think it was Wearsby that said this, It's worth noting that quite a few leaders mentioned in the Bible were first tested as servants. Joseph was a servant in Egypt for 13 years before he became a second ruler in the land. Moses cared for sheep for 40 years before God called him. Joshua was Moses' servant before he became Moses' successor. David was tending his father's sheep when Samuel anointed him king of Israel. Even our Lord Jesus came as a servant and labored as a carpenter. First a servant, then a ruler. Okay, so I just want to say, as we talk about service overall in the assembly, you know, do what you want to do as unto the Lord and serve, but there should be some kind of as this is unto the Lord, that's why I want it to be done well. That's why I want it to be done well. Okay? The biblical pattern, again, be trusted with a little, and you will get more responsibilities later. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, there's a whole parable here, but in verse 10 it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? 
No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so this idea of being able to see someone's personal life and trusting them even with certain ministries is a good thing. And again, this is where deacons are a little different even than elders. And I keep talking about this because we see sometimes more practically the things that deacons are responsible for. We don't necessarily see the things, the spiritual content of what the elders are responsible for. You haven't seen them pray. You haven't seen the one-on-one counseling. You haven't seen that kind of stuff, but you do see the grounds. You do see how the practical things happen, whether there's food downstairs today, whether those things you see more. And so in that, sometimes this testing is that's where it's almost for the protection of the assembly. Hey, don't don't just put anyone in there because this is what the assembly is going to see a lot of, a lot of. Okay, they're to be tested to see if they can be trusted as stewards of the practical needs of the assembly, money and taking care of the building, distributing to those in need. Lots of us um, are trusted with stewardship here at Branford Bible Chapel. And that is absolutely true. Again, this goes back beyond the office of deacon, if you do something here at the assembly, which many of you do, be it cleaning, be it setting up the bread in the cup, be it music ministry, be it speaking, be it downstairs in the kitchen, be it there's so many things, the grounds outside, you should care about your stewardship of what the, you have done as unto the Lord. And it should matter to you how you're doing with that stewardship of what God is um, giving you to do here at the assembly. Okay, so how does it matter to the office? Okay, how does it matter? The reason, again, I think sometimes to know whether a deacon should be tested or not is because, especially when it comes to money, money can be one of those funny things. Well, when a deacon is now a deacon, they have, again, they can write checks here. It's just very practical stuff. They can write checks. Um, they can do what they want with money. I'll tell you what else they see, which is very interesting. It's just the way my mind works, so don't judge me, okay? They see who gives what, okay? I have no idea if you guys are tithing or not, nor do I care, really, okay? I don't want to know. But guess who does know? The deacons. And, and if you don't think that could affect someone's personal relationships when they ask for money, if there's a need, there's a lot of stuff there, guys, that we don't necessarily think about, okay? When someone says, hey, I, I need $500 for this ministry, and they know what they have given or what they have not given, okay? And, and to not play favoritism with all this. There, there's, there's just a lot there, okay? Research would indicate that most households right now in America tend to spend 10% more than their income no matter what the income level. Hey, guys! If you didn't think I wasn't going to call you out. Well, if I was in my classroom, I'd give everyone applause, but we're in church. Guys, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you wanted to get there. Talking about deacons. All right, so... Typically, Americans, 
spend right now 10% more than they actually make, no matter what their income is. <laughs> now you're going to go a deacon and you're going to sit in someone's house and they're going to say, I need help financially. <laughs> Those are not uh, comfortable conversations sometimes. They're just not. And so that's why it's very important that a deacon can be trusted so that sometimes we say, okay, hey, look, um, you know, and I don't know how these tests work sometimes, right? Like, why don't you go with us when we go into someone's house? And by the way, would we be willing for that? Okay, we, we don't know all the stuff that goes on. I'm sure deacons have sat in people's homes and gone over their finances. And now we might have someone who wants to be a deacon and we bring them along. And we first will probably have these conversations like, hey, do you mind if so-and-so comes along? We're testing them. And so now there's a trust issue. You just laid out your bank account in front of someone you see every week at the assembly. Guys, that's personal. That is deep. Okay, you, you see how much money they make. You see what they're spending it on. That, that is an intimacy that most of us do not have. And a deacon has those responsibilities. And if someone's going to be tested, can we trust you that I can see you can see my bank? You can see what I'm spending on all these things and that it's not going to affect our relationship at all. Okay, that's a, a, a good reason why a deacon should be tested. Last but not least, we got the patriarch testimony. Again, just a P word, a family testimony. All right. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. I think this goes right back to what Greg already mentioned last week. I won't talk a lot about it, but if your house is in chaos, then why would you be able to serve in the house of the Lord? Okay, especially with if your own house is in chaos and now I'm going into someone else's house to talk about their finances. If I'm going into someone else's area when it comes to any of these practical things, okay? Um, a deacon, again, responsible. So if we're running electrical stuff here in the assembly, they might not have a clue about anything electrical, but someone in the assembly does know, and now they have to have conversations and deep conversations about that. Well, are, are, are we doing, like, because if I was a deacon, I'd sit there with Scott Malone probably, and I'd say, hey, bud, uh, are we, like, going cheap here, or are we going, like, super quality? Because I have no idea what we're running. <laughs> so I'm trusting Scott if we're doing something electrical, and, and those are intimate conversations to be had. And so what I'm trying to say is that if my house is not in order, if I can't have those kind of conversations with my kids, with my wife, how would I then have enough boldness to have a good conversation with Scott? Okay, the house thing has to come first. All right, so, whew, I don't know how to segue to the next part. I just have it here in my notes. I don't think women can be deacons. That's Branford Bible Chapel stance. Okay, here's why. The reason I'm saying this is when you read this in verse 11, it says, likewise, you'll see there is in italics, it says, wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Okay? Wives can be translated women. So sometimes people would say, because it says likewise, it's now going to women deaconesses. It's not what we think here at Brantford Bible Chapel. It's a study. You will see where it says Phoebe. I think it's in Romans. Um, 
a lot of people would say Phoebe was a deaconess. It just means servant. So is it the office that she would, did she have the office of a deacon or deaconess or she just a servant? And that's what they're talking about in Romans. That's some of the stuff that you are more than welcome to study some more on. Okay. But the reason I think, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I think that it's good to see themes in scripture and know how to interpret the Bible correctly. In other words, this whole thing of authority that we already talked about in um, chapter 3, the office, it is not just an office, whether elder or deacon, uh, that it's just kind of like a nice title, but we're all of uh, priesthood, so it really doesn't matter. No, elders and deacons are responsible before God in ways that you are not. Hence, that's where their authority comes from. It's their responsibility. You are not responsible if certain things at this assembly happen, if you are not in some of those uh, offices, okay? And so it is an authoritative place. Hence, I don't think women can have that office, okay? However, it is very interesting that wives are mentioned here, or you could even say women, but not really. I think it's the better translation there is wives, because I tell you what, again, these are things that are important to the well-being of people's relationships here in the assembly. And how does this practically work? It says wives must be reverent. That means the exact same thing. They have to have a good testimony. They should be trusted by people here. Okay? Not slanderers. Level-headed. Sometimes women tend to struggle with gossiping or letting their emotions get the best of them. Okay? I think, you know, guys, we have our problems too, but let's just focus on the women because that's the passage. <laughs> Sometimes, whew, it's getting hot. Sometimes women struggle with gossiping or letting their emotions get the best of them. So I'm going to tell you right now, even in some of these things, imagine, uh, you know, simple conversations of uh, a deacon coming home and go, and the wife goes, what? What just happened outside? I thought, what did you guys do? Why did they rip out the rose bushes? And he's like, well, so-and-so wanted, you know, tulips instead of rose bushes. Are you kidding me? And then the wives start calling their friends going, did you know so-and-so? They're, they're the reason why we don't have the roses anymore? And I, I'm, it's a silly example. But on deeper levels, this kind of stuff can happen. Um, and again, Elders don't tell their wives everything, okay? I don't think deacons do either. But sometimes, as I've mentioned all morning, of this practicality of it, you will see things in this practical way more, and the deacons' wives will just have more, um, you know, things there uh, to be able to observe. And so they have to be on board with their husbands, and they have to be trusted. They have to be the ones that... You know, if their their husband was a deacon and he had to go over someone's house and do a, a big financial piece and they, they wrote him a check from the assembly and said, hey, listen, we just want to bless you. We want to help you in your finances. I know you've been struggling. And that person comes the next week and was like, man, last night I went to this restaurant. It was so great. You know, here in Northford, it was about $300 for me and my wife. And that other deacon's wife was like, 300 What? I know what happened. He was in your house. I, are you kidding me? You're just like talking right now out loud like that's not a big deal that you spent that kind of money? That's why it's very important, okay? 
that their wives here are what they say, okay, not slanderant, temperate, faithful in all things. Really, these offices, they really are one of those things that they really are a, a kind of a team. If you don't think the wives are a very important part of the office of um, eldership or deacon, you're, you're just wrong again, okay? We all know how that stuff works, and the husbands should be gleaming wisdom from their wives, and there's a lot of stuff there. But this is one of those things that's interesting that it's addressed, Okay, why is it not addressed with elders? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you right now, again, I think this difference between physical needs and spiritual needs are interesting. If the elders say, hey, guys, we've been praying a lot, and we feel like we should you know, study the book of James on Sunday morning instead of 1 John, most of you will be like this. Okay, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we did James instead of 1 John, like, what's the big deal, Right? That's typically how it works, okay? But, again, when the deacon comes and says, hey, we decided on, you know, hardwood floors instead of rugs, okay, that, that somehow carries a different connotation to the assembly because they, they're walking on it every single week, okay? All right, let's sum up with this last verse. For they have used the office of deacon well, well, I'll read, that was another translation, but verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So all of us should have a personal testimony um, and meet these qualifications, the public testimony, let deacons be tested, and a good family testimony. Make sure your house is in order. We didn't talk a lot about that, but I'll, I'll just remember again, a quiet and peaceable life, that your house is not in chaos. That should be the sign of a believer. The house is not in chaos. There's an order. So when we come to church, there's an order. The assembly is not in chaos. It's not in chaos. But the thing I wanted to close with was just, it's so simple, right? As we talk about serving the Lord, that I'm just amazed again that the Lord would reward us for actually serving. It, guys, I'm literally closing in prayer, but I love it. Praise the Lord. I, the only reason I'm addressing that is like, I don't want things to be taken out of context. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure. All right, so we were in 1 Timothy 3, and the last verse of 13 is, again, the idea that we can serve and that the Lord will reward us. It talks about elders getting a crown. Right here in 13, it talks about deacons obtaining for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith. I just, I think it's so great that as we serve the Lord with little, He usually gives more. If we're entrusted and we do well with little, He usually gives more. Should, you know, in your assembly, should you be striving to use your spiritual gifts and to desire more? Absolutely. And we should never be a people that actually want to get rewarded for it. But at the same time, if we're going to teach the text, God does reward. It's amazing. That, that the Lord would want to after He's saved you and that He has given you all the spiritual blessings, that if you try to serve, He will typically reward you for it. 
That is an amazing God we serve. And so these offices are not meant to, quote, um, you know, they're not some high-level thing that no one can attain, okay? By God's grace, we can all be mature believers, okay? But the idea that the Lord would even reward us for some of this stuff is just, it just speaks again of the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, your example that you really are, uh, were a servant, that we start with the incarnation and just you just uh, obeying your parents and uh, working a normal job. Um, Lord, I don't know if we'll ever grasp uh, the incarnation, the God-man living what we would think is just a normal life for 30 years, and that that would be the will of God, that you would just walk among us for 30 years before you started your public ministry. Thank you so much for that example. Uh, again, Lord, we pray here at Branford that if we, um, if there's men here that should be deacons, that you would put it upon their heart, that they might um, step up and... Uh, do that work, Lord. We pray for our elders. Um, if there are those who should be elders, we pray that you would stir in their heart as well. Lord, for all of us, that we would uh, just help out in the work. There's so much work to be done. And so uh, help us to be like-minded. Help us to um, have good conversations about such things. In your name, amen.